Welcome to episode 58 of the Martin Silva MMA show. I'm your host, Oscar, and my co-host Lenny March is not with me this week due to his schedule, but we are still in high spirits because how could you not be in high spirits after UFC Vegas 42, Holloway versus Rodriguez? We'll go right into that card. Max Holloway versus Yair Rodriguez was way beyond my expectations. That fight was phenomenal. And uh, I really was impressed by Yair in particular because I told you that I was super confident in Max Holloway winning that fight. But after that first round, I was thinking, man, Yair Rodriguez might just win this fight. Yair Rodriguez gave him a very tough fight. And after a two-year layoff, he looked really good, man. And he's made definite improvements. And especially against a guy in Max Holloway, he really showed me that he is one of the best featherweights in the world by now. The guy's not even 30 yet. Who knows what his ceiling is at this point. But I think he sticks around that top five for the next several years. And Max Holloway, on the other hand, we saw a little more to his game this time around. It was not just striking. He actually got a couple takedowns and accrued some control time against Yair Rodriguez. Also went for a couple submissions. This fight was all over the place. And uh, Yair Rodriguez, he's got some flashy stuff. And man, it works, especially those elbows. He really cut Max Holloway up, was able to rock him too. And uh, this is exactly what you want out of a great high-level main event between the two guys. No real animosity between these two, but my goodness, they both showed their warrior spirit out, out there. And it's crazy that this fight happens right after uh, the UFC 268 card where we were talking about uh, Gaethje and Chandler being fight of the year. This fight is right up there with it. Does it surpass Gaethje Chandler? No, but my goodness, it's right up there with it. These guys had ridiculous output the whole fight. I thought it would be Max Holloway having uh, crazy striking numbers. He did, but uh, Yari Rodriguez was able to have a fair amount of success. In fact, he landed 186 total strikes to Max Holloway's 251. Uh, very impressed by both guys, especially Yair. But uh, now's the time for the Blessed Express to make its way back to the title picture. I'm sure he's earned it by now. Dana White said it makes sense. After he lost a split decision to Volkanovski that was highly disputed, he went on to dominate Calvin Cater back in January, get a unanimous decision win, and now he beat Yair Rodriguez by unanimous decision as well. Two solid contenders, and uh, he's definitely on a path to a title shot. Next year, uh, I would say in the second quarter or so but um i cannot wait for that trilogy still picking volkanovsky but uh it'll be very competitive and very fun um and uh i was thinking man these max max and alex are a cut above the rest they're just really up there but after watching this and the brian ortega fight man those this featherweight division is one of the best out there and the matchups you can make right now are are insanity yair's next fight will be must-see. I don't care who it is against. My pick would be Zabit Magomed Sharipov just because those guys have been matched up so many times. It's kind of like the Habib and Tony in the division at this point. I just, I just got to see it. 
because I've been promised it so many times and, you know, things just don't fall into place uh, at the right time. So I think now that we have the beat looming in the picture, his coach, Mark Henry, says he's coming back. And uh, I'm sure Yairi's going to take a while to recover from this. But, uh, yeah, hopefully their matchups time up, uh, line up, and we get to see that because that would be fantastic. Cannot wait for the future of this featherweight division, especially after a ridiculous main event like that. We'll move on to the co-main event. Marcos Regier de Lima got a fantastic first-round TKO against Ben Rothwell. A lot of people are focusing on what Herb Dean did when he stopped that fight. He was very indecisive and hesitant, as it appears he's been for the past couple years. It's, it's really unfortunate, but uh, I'll focus on Marcos getting this win here. A lot of people did not give him much of a chance. I chose Ben Rothwell by second round submission, and I was wrong. Um, but I did mention that Marcos is a, is very dangerous early. The guy is super explosive and hits like a truck. And Ben Rothwell has been historically very durable, but this time around, he is 40 now, and he just didn't eat the damage uh, as well as he once did, uh, like against guys like Brendan Schaub and others. Um, this time around, he just got rocked bad after uh, Marcos started with the leg kicks. So uh, it was a bad night in the office for Ben Rothwell, but uh, Marcos Ruggiero de Lima, he proved that uh, he could be a player in this heavyweight division, uh, maybe getting a top 15 opponent next. That would be ideal. I think I think the guy you would give Marcos next would be a Walt Harris because Walt Harris, uh, I, I don't feel that he's, He's in the position where he should be fighting his fellow guys in the top 15 because he just had some rough, a rough couple fights. And uh, I feel like that's a winnable fight for uh, Walt Harris. We'll move on to Felicia Spencer's TKO of Leah Letson. Th this was a uh, straight of domination. This was not competitive at all. I actually scored a 10-8 in the first round for Felicia Spencer. She never let Leah Letson breathe. Just clinched her up. Held her against the fence. And um, she really could not get many takedowns going. Um, so she did most of her work in the clinch. And she was super aggressive. I actually thought she would be able to get more takedowns and actually submit her. But that wasn't the case. Leah Letson, uh, her takedown defense did hold up many times. But yeah, yeah she did get taken down eventually and she got pummeled in that third round where had to stop it the, the damage was just overwhelming and uh man felicia's in a tough spot because who who does she have left to face uh the only person you could say is daniel wolf who she was booked against and that was just a ridiculous matchup uh not ridiculous like the main event like ridiculous in a bad way like that fight is it's just nonsensical, and it's such a terrible matchup for Danielle. The other person you could say is Holly Holm, but uh, Holly's future is a little uncertain right now um, be because she's bouncing back and forth in divisions. But uh, good performance by Felicia, but I don't know how far this would get her. Moving on to Chaos Williams' third-round knockout of Miguel Baeza. This was a very enjoyable fight. I knew this would be uh, a complete banger as soon as I saw it booked. And it was. Miguel Baeza was able to rock Chaos Williams first. Um, and he did try to go for a couple takedowns, as I said he should have. 
but they both got stuffed. But the fight did eventually end up on the floor. And uh, Miguel was going for the leg locks and Chaos was tagging him with punches. And I, I actually did score that first round for Chaos Williams because uh, while Miguel was going for the leg locks, he was doing no damage while Chaos was cracking him with a couple good ones. So that's why I scored the first round for um, for Chaos in the second round. Uh, pretty sure I scored that for Miguel. Miguel Miguel definitely threatened Chaos with his power. You could see that Chaos did respect Miguel's power. But uh, at the at the end of the day, um, if Chaos lands the right punch on you, it's it's over, man. And I did have a premonition about this because um, Miguel, he loves those calf kicks. And they were definitely effective in this fight. But once Chaos times it right, he'll crack you, man. And he did put out Miguel. Miguel was protesting the stoppage. Uh, but it was very clear that uh, that he just didn't know where he was, didn't know what happened. And that's what Chaos is doing to these guys, man. And Chaos may have earned himself a top 15 opponent next. Maybe the winner of uh, or the loser of Salikov versus Pajeda. That would be fun. Uh, but Chaos should be given more respect after this. He's always an excited fighter, win or lose. We'll move on to Song Dong's second round TKO. Of Julio Arce. I thought this white fight was going to be really competitive. And uh, th that first round was fairly competitive. But very clearly Sangi Dong's round. That second round on the other hand. Was uh, very impressive by Song. Song, it, you know, we've always given credit for being a very hard hitter for this 135 division. But uh, he was up against a guy in Julio Arce. Who has fought comfortably at featherweight. And he's never gotten knocked out ever. So to see Song Dong just put him away like this was super impressive. And um, Song Dong, he's just accrued so much experience in this little time in the UFC. And he's improving constantly. And uh, he's got a very bright future. Only 23, by the way. Who knows what his ceiling could be. Uh, so really good finish for Song Dong here. And he maintains his top 15 spot in the rankings after this very tough beat for Julio Arce. Moving on to the main event of the prelims. Joel Alvarez was able to get a first round TKO of Thiago Moises with a couple good elbows. And uh, Joel Alvarez really impressed me here. Thiago Moises, after Max Holloway, was my most confident pick on the entire card. I was very confident that Tiago would um would not be threatened by Joel's uh submissions like most guys are. And on the feet, I really, I really truly believe that Tiago Moises was the better striker. I was very confident in that, but it simply wasn't the case. Joel had a serious height and reach advantage, and he used it well. And uh though Joel did get cracked. Once he started cracking Tiago, Tiago was overwhelmed, just could not take the damage. And Tiago's a guy that's number fifteen that was number fifteen heading into this fight. And uh Joel Alvarez just ran through him. So uh Joel Alvarez is now ranked number fifteen. Do I agree with it? No, because he did miss weight for this fight. Uh if he fixes that, Joel Alvarez has got a serious future in this top fifteen division, um, at one fifty five. So uh, Joel Alvarez was super impressive 
uh, in just three minutes, he he overwhelmed the top 15 lightweight in the world. And as we've said before, uh, lightweight is one of the best divisions in the UFC. If you're ranked, you're super legit. And uh, some of those top 15 guys would be like top five guys in certain divisions. That's how good that division is. And there's so many elite guys out of that top 15. So for Joel Alvarez to crack it, it shows where he's at. And uh, I, I really thought Joel Alvarez was more of a just, you know, except uh, getting taken down and go for submission. But he showed that it was much, much more than that. And, uh, yeah, very excited for his future. And uh, he would have gotten a bonus, but unfortunately did miss weight. And uh, he says he will try to fix that at the UFCPI. Hopefully it works out for him. Hopefully it works out for him. We'll move on to Andrea Lee's performance of the night winning uh, finish of Cynthia Cavill. Cynthia Cavill, after the second round, retired on the stool. She could not, um, just could not take the damage. She recognized that this fight was not her. That was not her night. And uh, that was after a broken orbital bone. And yeah, the damage piled up on her. And I did recognize that Andrea Lee would have a higher volume, but... My goodness, Andrea Lee just was uh, very aggressive here. And Cynthia was just always a step behind in the striking. And she only went for three takedowns. Only got one of them. Didn't get much control time. And I thought she would just get these takedowns uh, constantly or be able to hold down Andrea enough for it to matter and for Cynthia to win. But yeah, yeah, just did not wrestle enough. And also on the feet, just... It really looked like a mismatch out there. Might might be something on the mental side for Cynthia. She did get starched by uh by Jessica Andrade just a couple of months ago, but this is the best I've ever seen Andrew Lee look out there. And uh this is one of these uh flyweights that and uh that Valentina has yet to fight, so that's always marketable because Valentina's beat almost uh everybody to the top. So this is one uh one flyweight that does have hopes again that title shot and uh she might just get it next year uh so andrea lee is now in a really good spot she just destroyed the number five flyweight in the world so she's now ranked number six and she could get the winner of that uh of that shikagian maya rematch in january moving on to sean woodson's first round tko with body shots against colin anglin this was uh, exactly what I needed to see from Sean Woodson because I thought this was going to be a closer fight. I thought uh, that Colin Anglin would uh, wrestle. He did get one of his takedown stuff, but yeah, he just just very aggressive, leaves himself open, and Sean Woodson had ridiculous output. Always uh, throwing the jab out there, always uh, attacking the body, and uh, Colin Anglin got hit with a good one to the liver, I believe it was, and he just could not take the damage, which was just too much. He had to curl up, and the referee pulled Sean Woodson off. And uh, Sean Woodson, uh, I feel like he, by the batteries in particular, was a little disrespected. Hey, to this, including myself, I, I give Anglin more of a chance than most. But yeah, on a feet, complete mismatch. And uh, yeah, Sean Woodson, he's never looked this impressive in the UFC. So uh, I would like to see him uh, fight uh, somebody like a Melsic Bakhtasarian maybe next. That would be fantastic. Moving on to Courtney Casey's unanimous decision win over Leona Jojua. 
Uh, this fight was kind of uh, pr pretty simple. Uh, like the same thing kept on happening o over and over again. The commentators kept on pointing it out that Leona Jojua just had no, just had a bad, uh, bad approach to the fight. She would really not follow things up. Uh, she would always move backwards and just accept the back foot. And just like Courtney Casey's tee off on her, Courtney Casey had a really good night and Leona Jojua did not. Uh, I thought the only way this fight would be close really was if Jojua would uh, pursue more takedowns. But she just did not have the confidence in uh, in herself to do it. She only went for three. And she got two of them. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, really tough stuff for Liana. She did get cut after the fight. Uh, yeah. Really bad loss of her. But Courtney Casey needed this win as well. She now moves to 10-9. and nine. And uh, yeah. Courtney Casey's record does not tell you everything about her. Some of those are split decisions. And uh, competitive ones as well. So um Courtney Casey, her hands are looking a little better. Uh, that takedown defense, uh, man, I don't know what she needs to do to fix it, but she's got to fix it. Moving on, Rafael Alves got a first-round guillotine. Armak Keys. I don't know how you don't give Rafael Alves a submit, uh, bonus after this. The guy stunned Keys with a jab, hits him with a flying knee, and then gets a guillotine. That was a ridiculous sequence there. Uh, and uh, I actually picked against Rafael in this fight because I thought Jackie's would uh, would weather the storm early and, you know, just point fight him his, on his way to a decision. But Rafael is a beast, man. This guy's so explosive. And he'll always uh, go for the finish when the opportunity is presented to him. And he did right here. Jackie's just never really got going and he paid for it. Really impressive by Rafael Alves, who's he's only lost to uh, Demir's Mugulov in this division. So I think he, I think he might have top fifteen potential. This this guy's maybe he's not the best uh, guy at winning minutes or rounds, but my goodness, in that first round he he'll catch you with a uh, with a variety of uh, finishes. So he's, he'll always be dangerous to these guys. Moving on to the opener. A tremendous way to kick off the card. You knew this card was good when you saw it was getting opened up by Kennedy and Zichuku versus Daon Jung. And uh, I was very split on my pick for this one. I really had no confidence. I picked Daon Jung to win this by decision. But yeah, um, I thought Zichuku would be a little more durable here, but he wasn't. Uh, he's a slow starter, always been a slow starter. And uh, Don Jung took advantage of that, and he split, uh, hit him with some elbows right through the guard, and and Judge Koo just could not take him, and he got starched, straight up starched. Uh, both men purely botched, boxed in this one uh, until the elbows were thrown, and that was the difference maker. Um, and Judge Koo just was not offensive, off offensive enough. Uh, Don Jung had double the output and eventually put him away. And that was a fantastic way to wake people up because this one was uh, pretty early in the day and tremendous way to start the card, which was a very good card. Um, If you saw it top to bottom, you were not disappointed. And uh, this card actually did tie the most finishes on any UFC card ever. I believe it was 10 finishes total on the 11 fight card. That was 
Insanity. So, uh, yeah. How could you not love this card? One of my favorite fight nights of the entire year. And they capped it off with uh, one of the best fights of the year. Holloway versus Rodriguez. Uh, yeah, you were straight up spoiled. Great way to follow up UFC 268. Uh, if any card was going to do it, it would have been that card. And now we shall move on to UFC Vegas 43. Vieira versus Tate. Uh, this card is not as stacked as the previous fight night. But I feel like we still got some really good fights ahead of us. We'll talk about the main event first, of course. Ketlin Vieira, after losing a split decision to Yana Kuniskaya earlier this year, she's back against Misha Tate, who made a tremendous comeback after several years away. Uh, had two kids, and uh, she just took a whole new approach to the fight. She really enjoyed the fight week. She really invested into her camp. She looked to be in the best shape of her career. And she fought a 44-year-old Mary Renault. A very good matchup if she was in good form. And she was in good form. So she dominated the fight. And uh, she became the only woman to ever finish Mary Renault. So that, even though Mary Renault is not a, like a, you know, really high quality win. The fact that she finished her, that that is impressive. So I'll give that to Misha. Um, so a lot of people think of Misha Tate uh, should be the favorite here. And I agree, uh, I'm not entirely sure why she's the underdog here. Maybe people still have their doubts after the long layoff, but uh, Kelly Vieira's not, not the most active fighter herself as well. And uh, one thing that does bother me about her is her inactivity when she gets to the ground. Uh, hopefully she learned from the Yana Queen Sky fight, because if you watch that fight, not the most exciting fight out there. She gets the takedown in the first round gets four minutes of control time, but barely lands any strikes, anything really significant. And in the second round, um, she gets taken down by Yana, um, and does not really land anything significant off her back either. And the third round, um, it's the same story. She gets a takedown and does not land anything significant. And in the third round, uh, I mean, in the final minute of that fight, Yana Kunskaya lands some solid elbows, cracks open Ketlin Vieira, and uh, makes her bleed, and that sways the judges. And uh, I was a little iffy on who that who won that round, but at the end of the day, who was being the most effective striker? And that was 100% Ketlin Vieira. She simply did more damage, was more aggressive, even though she got controlled most of the round. So I, I did eventually score that for Yana Kunskaya. And uh, Misha Tate, on the other hand, definitely a more aggressive grappler. And uh, we did see Yana Kunitskaya control Ketlin. So I think Misha Tate can do it as well. And I also believe that Misha Tate will have the better gas tank. We have no sample size of Ketlin Vieira in a five-round setting. And Misha Tate, she won her championship in that fifth round against Holly Holm. Rear naked choke, awesome moment. And um, one thing here that uh, would... Make me lean Misha here too as well is Kelly Vieira does not have significant power edge at all. Uh, as you saw against Amanda Nunes and others, uh, Misha Tate will get cracked. Uh, she actually has got a decent chin. She's She's been in tough spots before. She's been able to recover, but that's when she really gets challenged on the feet. Uh, when there's a 
serious power edge. Holly Holm too get gives some trouble, but not serious trouble. So for Kelly Beer not to have that uh like intimidating power, that definitely uh, is a difference maker. Also, Kevin Vieira, um, as I said, not the most aggressive on the ground, on the feet, kind of a point fighter as well. Um, and Misha, she is working with Trevor Whitman a little bit on her striking. Uh, that does need a little improvement, but on the feet, it, it will be Kevin Vieira's fight if this stays on the feet, but I simply don't see it going that way. I think Misha gets enough takedowns and wins a close decision. I think Misha Tate wins this by a unanimous decision. Um, she probably loses two rounds in this fight uh, if it stays on the feet long enough. But I believe Misha does get the takedowns in the control time. And maybe she gets taken out, but she will probably be more aggressive. And Calvier probably still has a scar tissue. So she could open that up and sway the judges. So the pick here is Misha Tate by unanimous decision. Moving on to the co-main event, which in my opinion, this kind of feels like the real main event uh, because this is between two high-level welterweights, Michael Chiesa, who just lost via Darce Choke to Vicente Luque. That that felt like that was a very important fight at welterweight at the time. And he's fighting Sean Brady, who's undefeated 14-0. He's got a ton of a momentum on his side. Um. And this kind of feels like a, a huge step up for Sean Brady because his last opponent was Jake Matthews, a guy who I really see uh, as being way, way out of that top 15, that welterweight. And now he's fighting the number six welterweight in Michael Chiesa. So this is a massive step up for uh, Sean Brady. And I believe he passes the test. Michael Chiesa, uh, we know what he brings to the table. That striking is just not good, man. It's not good. He never looks comfortable there. And uh, he always wants to get it to the ground. But the problem is he's fighting Gonshan Brady, who wants to take it to the ground as well. And he loves to go for submissions. He's a very uh, aggressive when it comes to the submissions. So is Chiesa. But uh, I believe I do favor Sean Brady here in in terms of BJJ. Um, maybe Michael Chiesa wins a round or two with with his wrestling, which he does have better wrestling than Brady. Um, but Brady, I feel like Brady can eventually wrap up submission here. We've seen Michael Chiesa get caught in too many submissions to pick him in this fight. Jorge, Dars, uh, Vicente Luque, Dars, Kevin Lee, rare naked choke. Uh, just so many instances where he just, you know, he just gets caught up in that submission, man. And I just don't feel like trusting him in this fight. Uh, Sean Brady is good enough uh, in terms of BJJ to eventually wrap up a submission. A cool little tidbit here is that Kiesa has a, a tiger on his ribs tattooed on him. And Sean Brady has a tattoo of a man uh, guillotining uh, a tiger. So that's definitely a possibility in this one as well. So um, if Sean Brady and Michael Kiesa decide... To just scrap it out as well. I will favor Sean Brady as well. So I feel like Sean Brady probably has more ways to win the fight. And uh, de I definitely believe he submits Michael Chiesa if we see grappling. So the pick is Sean Brady by second round submission. Moving on to Ronnie Yaya against Kung Ho Kang. This fight uh, has been rescheduled after Ronnie had to pull out did COVID. Uh, earlier this year, and I'm really looking forward to this one 
because um, these are two guys that have been around a very long time in this bantamweight division. And uh, uh, whenever I get to see Kung Ho Cannon card, it's always a treat because this guy's very inactive. Uh, unfortunately, he had to take a long layoff due to uh, mandatory um, military service. So uh, even after that, he hasn't stayed super, super uh, active. Ronnie, on the other hand, uh, not super active either, but when he goes out there, if he wins, he will win by submission, man. This guy's a true specialist, the Damian Maya of the Bantamweight division, if you will, but the difference with him is whenever he really takes a step up, he just can't get past the better guys if you look at his losses to Ricky Simone, Joe Soto, uh, even Tom Tenamaki. Uh, Chad Mendes, Mizugaki, Benavides. He just really can never get to the top. But he does have legit names on his record. Like Mike Brown. Like uh, Matthew Lopez, Luke Sanders. These are decent wins. But if you look if you look at a good quantity of these wins. They, re they actually are guys that have been cut. So uh, Ronnie has not been fighting... The upper echelon in this division, he really hasn't. Um, in fact, his last fight was Ray Rodriguez, who never won a fight in the UFC. But uh, Kung Ho Kang, on the other hand, he's got a loss to Ricardo Hamos. She's been competing with him. And uh, Brandon Davis, he beat him. Ishitari as well. Guido Canetti, some, some good wins. Some good wins. Um, and even his losses have been pretty competitive as well. I feel he he's not going to get taken down in this fight. Ronnie uh, got ridiculous major shape, but the the wrestling is just not good enough. I feel to uh, give Kung Ho Kang enough problems. So on the feet, uh, Kung Ho Kang will definitely be ahead. And don't think Kung Ho Kang is going to be a fish out of water on the on the ground either. He's got eleven pro wins by submission. So even if it gets there, I think he'll be defensively responsible enough to. Uh, to uh, get back to his feet and uh, punish Ronnie on the feet. So the pick is Kung Ho Kang by unanimous decision. Moving on, we have the return of Joanne Wood. Now Joanne Wood, no, no longer Joanne Calderwood, married to her coach, John Wood. And she's fighting the up-and-coming Tyler Santos. Tyler Santos has uh, an amazing record, 18-1. She fought terrible competition before the Contender Series. Um, she won her Contender Series uh, fight, of course. Then she fought Mar, uh, Mar Romero Barella. And uh, she came up short in that one. But th that was just a really bad performance on her behalf. And ever since then, she's looked phenomenal. Uh, getting wins over Molly McCann in the striking department. She dominated Jillian Robertson. She had Jillian on her back. For a very long time, and never was threatened by submissions, so that that's a huge accomplishment accomplishment in itself. And then she fought Roxanne Mataferi, who's really a party spoiler for these prospects. And uh, Roxanne really wasn't able to get anything going. She got dominant on the ground and on the feet. She was getting pieced up. She actually got knocked down. So uh, Tali Santos is truly the full package, despite uh her early competition being very poor and John Calderwood, uh, John Wood. I mean, on the other hand, um, she's always been in the mix 
for getting a title shot against Valentina, but she just falls short when it matters. Uh, she actually had put pen and paper to fight Valentina, but uh, Valentina got hurt, so just to stay active, she fights Jennifer Ryan and gets armbarred in the first round. Uh, yeah, that was, that was a tough loss for her. And, and then she fights, who was it? Uh, it was Lauren Murphy, and that was a tough fight for her because that was a split decision loss. I actually scored it for uh, Jordan Wood. I, I really was convinced that Wood had done enough to win the fight. Sure, that second round was very clearly for Lauren Murphy. Lauren Murphy held her down for four minutes and uh, looked really dominant. But uh, besides that, uh, Joan Wood did outstrike her on the feet. So that was a tough loss for her. And uh, she would not be in this position otherwise. But yeah, I, I believe this is a bad matchup for, for Wood. I really do. I believe she's going to get taken down uh, whenever Tyler decides to. And on the feet... Uh, I believe Santos as well. She's she's got really good pop on her punches. Well, that's something I gotta give her credit for. But uh, I believe the easiest path to victory here for Talia is just go for the takedowns. And one thing with Talia really doesn't mind a boring fight. Um, the Jillian Robertson one, not the most entertaining win to watch, but she secures the position, and uh, her opponents uh struggle to get up and. We saw, especially in the Murphy fight, uh, that Joanne, you know, still does not have the best getup game. So I will pick Tali Santos here with really good confidence. I think she wins a unanimous decision and uh, makes it look really good on her way up to uh, an eventual title shot to Valentina. We'll move on to uh, a fantastic main card opener. Adrian Yanez versus Davey Grant. This is Awesome matchmaking from the UFC. How can you not love it? Every every Adrian Yanez matchup that they made, it's, it's been really good. Um, Davy Grant came up short in his last fight against Marlon Chito Vera. Marlon Vera is now number 11 in the world. So uh, Davy Grant's one of these guys that's on the outskirts of the top 15. And uh, the UFC wants to know where Adrian Yanez is at. And this is definitely the right fight to know where he's at. Uh, Adrian Yanez... Really, really fun boxing style to watch. Uh, everybody loves to compare to Jorge, and uh, I truly see it both physically and uh, skill wise. So, Adrian Yanis is a young kid, always improving. And one thing I like about him in this 135 division hits very hard and very technically sound. I believe that uh, David Grant's wild hooks will get him caught. Um, but who knows? Who knows, man? Davy Grant can spoil your party, man. I thought Jonathan Martinez was going to put him away. And he actually almost put him away in that first round. But Davy Grant made a serious comeback and won that fight via knockout. Uh, there was a point where Davy Grant uh, may have been uh, nearly released from the UFC. But he started showing off his hands, his power as well. So uh, that's gotten better. But in the process, he will leave himself open. And Adrian Yanez will take advantage of that as well. He's on a three-fight knockout streak in the UFC. One of the longest knockout streaks in the whole UFC. And it's at 135. So, Davey Grant, um, I feel like uh, I feel like he will leave himself open. Like he did in the Jonathan Martinez fight. I think Adrian Yanez gets the ground pound going. And uh, gets a stoppage in the third round. I feel like Davey Grant is tough as hell. But 
man, did he take damage in that uh, Marlon Chito Vera fight, especially in that third round. Felix is going to catch up to him. And uh, over time, Adrian Yanez will find that chin and put him away in round three and keep his knockout streak going. Moving on to Tucker Lutz versus Pat Sabatini. Another fun fight. Tucker Lutz is on a 12-fight win streak. He actually had two contender series fights back in 2020. And the big knock on him by Dana was his inability to finish. He wins the first fight. And he says, I, I owe you the finish. I owe it to you next time. And then he fights his next fight against Sherrod Blackledge, unable to finish his opponent. So Dana was like, all right, you owe me one in the UFC. Once you make your debut, you better get that finish. He fights Kevin Aguilar, still no finish. So uh, Tucker Lutz's style, uh, it's fairly wrestle heavy, does not really lend itself to a finish. Uh, Pat Sabatini, on the other hand, he will pursue the finish. Um, and he's really proved that he's a high-level grappler in the UFC. He fought Tristan Connolly in his debut, completely dominates him, just really does whatever he wants to him on the ground. Um, and then he fights Jamal Emers. Jamal Emers had him rocked bad, but Jamal Emers, uh, he got stuck in that heel hook and forced to tap. Uh, that was a very impressive win by uh, Pat Sabatini. And uh, Tucker Lutz, I feel like this is this is a guy that Pat Sabatini will, will have a good fight against because Tucker Lutz is not particularly a specialist. He's not the most dangerous wrestler out there. Does not have the most power in his hands that will, that will uh, really challenge Pat Sabatini. So I truly see uh, Pat Sabatini winning this fight by unanimous decision. Uh... Tucker Lutz, we, we've really not seen bad submission defense from him. So uh, I think he stays defensively well enough. But I think I think he probably gets dominated um, on the ground here uh, by Pat Sabatini, who, who's a very talented grappler and uh, loses a unanimous decision. The pick is Sabatini by unanimous decision. Moving on to Rafa Garcia versus Nathan Levy. I have been... Waiting for this fight for a very long time. Nathan Levy's one of the few guys from the 2020 season of the Contender Series that have yet to make their debuts. He, I believe, he was injured for a while there. Now he's uh, now he's healthy and he's fighting a guy uh, in Rafa Garcia that is 0-2. So he's in a tough spot. Uh, Rafa Garcia is. They're bringing him in uh, against the Contender Series guy. This kind of feels like a set a fight in a way for. For um, Nathan Levy to just get a win here. Make a highlight of Rafa. And for Rafa to get cut unfortunately. And um, I don't think this fight is that simple. To be honest. Because Rafa has. In my opinion. You could probably say he won every first round. Even in the fights he's uh, lost of course. He made the debut against Nazwa Hakpras. Who such a talented fighter. But uh, yeah. Rafa just gassed in that one. Um, but he did hurt Nasrat Hakpras big time. And I really was big on Hakpras winning that fight. But it was not an easy fight for Nasrat. After that fight, I was like, man, Rafa has some serious potential. So when he was matched up a guy against the guy in Chris Grutzmacher, who uh, had just been finished by Alexander Hernandez in a minute, I was like, man, this is a tremendous spot for Rafa to get a really good knockout. And it was looking that way. He knocks down 
Chris Grootsmacher hopes to finish the fight. He goes all out on the ground pound and he gassed himself uh, just like he did in the Nasrat fight. And Chris Grootsmacher, his striking looked phenomenal. He attacked the body and was super high output. Um, and he had Rafa Garcia in real trouble. I thought that uh, he was going to get Rafa out of there. But uh, Rafa, he got a takedown and got some good control time. But just too tired to do anything with it. So um, I don't think Nathan Levy would be the kind of guy to... to uh, to re to really gas to not be in the position to uh take advantage of a Rafa Garcia so I really like his submission skills I re I'm really a fan of it he has uh a pretty fun karate style to watch but uh mainly he will get it done with those submissions and as we pointed out when uh, Rafa is a little hurt he might try to rely on his wrestling I think he goes in for uh, a takedown. Late in the fight when he might get uh just start losing the fight on the feet. And I think I think he gets guillotined here. I honestly do think he gets guillotined. But uh I think that first round probably will be hell for Nathan Levy because Rafa hits real hard. So uh could Rafa definitely spoil a party here against Nathan Levy, a pretty big favorite? Sure, but it's very hard to trust him when uh when his cardio tank is filling him constantly. So my pick here is third round submission. For Nathan Levy. Moving on to Loma Lugbunmi against Lupi Godinez. This is a really fun fight. I can't, I can't wait for it. Lupi Godinez is a savage man. She's one of the fighters that actually means it. When she says she'll fight every weekend. If uh, the opportunity is presented to her. She's had the quickest turnaround in UFC history. Now she's going to have the, um, the least time in between three fights now. So. She's on an unprecedented run, but unfortunately, she's fighting a, a really tough matchup here in Loma Lugbuni. Loma has uh, has really high-level Muay Thai striking, and that's actually what gave Lupe Godinez uh, some problems in the last fight. But the difference here is uh, this is a strawweight bout. Lupe was, uh, was uh, really not looking out for uh, her best interest in terms of her record. When she went ahead and fought Luana Carolina on a week's notice, who is significantly larger, she just couldn't muscle her down like she could her other opponents like Silvana Gomez Juarez. So that's why Lupita lost that fight. Had uh, had Luana been her own size, I feel like she wouldn't have won that fight, but that wasn't the case. But uh, will uh, will Lupita definitely win around here? I think she will win around here, but at the end of the day. Um, I feel that Loma will do more damage on the feet. She might be able to cut up Lupita uh, as well. So um, this will be very competitive. Uh, also, in her last fight, Loma Lugbumi, she did lose a round to Sam Hughes. And uh, we're going to talk a little later about Sam Hughes. But I don't rate Sam Hughes highly. I, don't, I really don't even think she's a UFC-level fighter. Uh, so Loma is not, like, the, the best out there in terms of... Uh, defensively when it comes to grappling but uh Lapita is not like the high level uh grappler that I think would definitely beat Loma so that's why I'm picking Loma to do more damage here and I'm sure she's always working on her uh defense grappling as well so the pick here is Loma look me by split decisions I think this will be a very close fight so uh, I think Loma edges it out and uh she's a really solid underdog if you would want to bet this 
Moving on to Terrence McKinney against Forrest Young. This is another uh, really great matchup. Um, stylistically, this one will definitely take place on the feet. Terrence McKinney is a first-round knockout machine. In his last fight, his UFC debut, he goes out there in Arizona and starches, straight up starches his opponent in seven seconds. And uh, that was one of the quickest KOs in UFC history, Miles Vidal's being the being at just five seconds. So it was two seconds after that. So it was just a one-two that did the job right then and there. And he's got ridiculous hand speed. And uh, the problem with Terrence is he's a super effective one-round fighter. But after that, things get a little tricky for him. And Ferreziam is very comfortable in, uh, in uh, you know, longer fights. Not much of a finisher. Uh, if you saw the Jamie Larkey fight, the the Louis, Luigi Vendramini fight, he prefers to fight at distance. Uh, he, he's one of these fighters that uh, fights pretty, doesn't really look to make things ugly. Um, so I think he definitely wins this fight by decision. Um, I'm surprised that this is a pick em fight. I'm very confident that for us, whether it's that early storm. Sure, uh, will Terrence McKinney rock him? I think he probably rocks him. But uh, Fresh uh, was able to survive that third round against Luigi Ventramini. So uh, you definitely have to give him credit for that. And Terrence McKinney, like uh, Rafa Garcia, as I mentioned earlier, will slow down after that first round when he can't get the finish. So my pick here is for SZM to uh, outpoint Terrence McKinney on his way to unanimous decision. But hey, there's there's potential for a draw there. Moving on to Cody Durden against Arichi Lang. I can't wait for this one as well. Cody Durden, uh, in his last fight, I believe it was, he lost to Jimmy Flick. The uh, Flying Triangle. That was a really tough loss for him. He was lighting up Jimmy Flick on the feet. Jimmy Flick striking. Just knock it at all. Always hoping to set up a submission. And uh, he set it up all right against Cody Durden. And uh, Cody lost that fight. But uh, this is a much better matchup for uh, for Cody this time. This, he's finding an opponent in the Land who does not have the most dangerous uh, submission game out there. And also, um, will always prefer to keep it standing. Uh, Arichi Lang, he fought very bad competition before he got into the UFC. Um, but he fought Jeff Molina, and that was a very competitive fight. He actually won a round in that fight. And, uh, even when he was very clearly losing a round, he did get Jeff Molina's respect. In fact, at the very end of the fight, he had Jeff Molina rocked. So uh, even in defeat, I was fairly impressed with him and super durable as well. My goodness. So I don't see Cody Durden uh, finishing here um, against Arichi Lang. Um, I don't see him really threatening him on the feet. In fact, I see Arichi Lang piecing him up on the feet. But uh, the problem is here, Cody Durden is definitely a better wrestler. Cody Durden actually fought up a weight class. He went up to Bantamweight. And he fought Chris, Chris Gutierrez, and he fought him to a draw. He was able to secure 10-8 first round. That shows you just how dominant Cody Durden can be on the ground. So uh, even though I think Arichi Lang, uh, while it's on the feet, will definitely have a serious edge and will be doing more damage, 
uh, Cody Durden, uh, I think I think he can absorb those shots. I think he'd take a really length's best shots and take it to the ground and dominate there. Maybe he gets himself a 10-8 round in this one as well. Who knows? But uh, due to his wrestling advantage, I will take Cody Durden to win a unanimous decision. Moving on to Shailian Nordiambic against Sean Soriano. This um, this is a tough fight to pick. And it's uh it's a little weird to me that Sean Soriano is as big of a favorite as he is because uh there's just been such a problem with him uh, in terms of defensive grappling his whole career. In fact, in his first UFC run, he had a tough, tough, uh tough luck against grapplers. He fought to Kawajiri gets Rene get choked, uh gets dominated by Chas Kelly, loses the decision, and so gets darshed by Ch- Charles Rosa. Um, and then, yeah, on the regional scene, it's, it's very tough to forget that Bruce Boynton loss a 15 and 11 fighter able to rear naked choke him in, in that, uh, second round. So that's, those are tough losses. And, uh, this is a guy in Sean Soriano that helps out Michael Chandler and Kamaru Usman in their training camp. People think very highly of him in the gym, but I kind of feel like he's one of these gym beasts, one of these guys that people love to talk about. That it does really well in the gym, but once fight night comes around, uh, they're not as good. So uh, that's a problem, and also a problem for him is his cardio. He will slow down, and uh, that will uh, that will be tough. But good thing here is he's finding guy in uh, Shaylian who he slowed down. He slows down as well, and uh, he's got a very wrestle heavy style, and that will tire you out even more than striking will. So that's why I definitely lean Sean Soriano here. Uh, against um, Josh Kulbal, Nordy and Beak, he got a good amount of control time in that first round, but uh, Josh Kulbal just got a couple good combos going, landed bigger strikes, and they gave the first round to Josh Kulbal. So I feel like this is probably the story of the fight. Shailian probably tries to get some control time, but uh, at the end of the day, Sean Soriano does more damage on the feet. Sean Soriano is definitely the better striking here. Definitely has more power. But uh, I don't feel like uh, I feel like Shailian will be a step behind on the feet every time. And I don't think he's a good enough wrestler or a submission artist to give uh, serious problems to to Sean Soriano. Same thing with the gas tank here, as I mentioned, for, for both guys, not the best. But uh, Shailian will tire himself out more because he's the guy uh, going for the takedowns and trying to... Uh, to control Sean, that will only tire him out more. So, does Sean get a knockout here? It's hard to tell, but uh, I will I will pick Sean Soriano to win this by unanimous decision. Moving on to the opener of this night, Luana Pinheiro against Sam Hughes. Uh, Luana had a really weird UFC debut against Randy Marcos, who's now being cut. Uh, she was winning the fight. And then Rene Marcos gets on top, and then you know we had the weird up kick situation. Um, and yeah, it was just, this is really unfortunate. Uh, I don't know what happened there, but she really, uh, she really looked affected by that up kick. And uh, I'm leaning my my intuition is telling me she was overselling it because we've seen way nastier knockouts and just people shaking it off, and she was not shaking it off. In fact, she was carried. Uh, carried into the back so 
Really weird situation there, but nonetheless, I, I'm fairly impressed by her skills. She's a finisher, um, and that's hard to come by in this strawweight division. So that definitely goes a long way. Um, but she did she did fight really sketchy competition. Even in her contemporary debut, they gave her an eight and six Stephanie Frosto. That that's that's very unfortunate. And uh in her UFC debut, even in the UFC, she's fighting ten and ten random Marcos. Uh, I know random Marcos is better than the record, but makes a lot of mistakes, including uh the legal illegal upkick in that one. So uh yeah. Very untested, but you cannot tell me that Sam Hughes is tested. Sam Hughes, uh, I never agreed with the UFC signing her. I simply didn't think she was ready, especially after uh, not long before that she got um, who was uh, upside down triangle choke by Vanessa Demopoulos, uh, another one who's you know barely UFC caliber. So I I'm fairly unimpressed by both, but. Luana does have the finishing ability in this fight. She will have the striking advantage. Uh, the only way I see Sam Hughes winning this fight if she is if she constantly uh, gets uh, Luana Pinheiro, um with her back against the cage and just gets control time, gets a couple good shots in the clinch. That's really the only way I see it. That's how she was able to win a round off of uh, Lomu Lugbunmi. Uh, even in a round she lost, she did get some good control time. But at the end of the day... Uh, I really think uh, that Sam Hughes is not the best defensively on the ground. And uh, we know for a fact that pinheiro has got really good judo. Uh, she's a black belt, of course, and good judo throws. I think she probably judo throws Sam Hughes um, and gets an armbar. I would say probably in the second round. So that's my pick, Juan Pinheiro, by second round submission. That wraps it up for this card. Uh I hope you guys enjoy the episode. Uh, hopefully, my Lenny will be with me this next Wednesday to record the episode. And Wednesday actually is my birthday, my 19th birthday. Uh, I cannot wait for uh, the fights this weekend. We got a solid card, 12 fights. It actually starts uh, fairly early. starts at 2 p.m. Central Time here in Chicago. So um, make sure to enjoy these fights. Uh, they should be good ones.